I'm ready. Matthew chapter number 28. <clears throat> we, um, our church began, uh, uh, it'll be two years ago in, in November uh, of this year that um, uh, Nate Click came on staff. And, and, I, and when, when, when Nate was hired, I talked to him about doing three things. And one thing I talked about him doing and asked him that he would do is oversee our young adults, our college and career um, ministry. Those that are um, um, between, you know, graduation from high school up to late 20s, ask him if he would oversee that ministry. The second thing that I that we we desperately needed, he has done a fantastic job with, is just our our uh, media and 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 audiovisual and and all of those things. And and um, remember, we used to have TVs in our lobby, and it looked like either the Holy Spirit or a demon was following me. If you looked out there, as I walked, there's a, a red strip that would follow about six, you know, six inches behind me everywhere on those videos. Anybody ever see those? My wife, my wife would sit out there and say, "It's the strangest thing," you know. And so, it wasn't either. Um, well, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, but um, uh, it was just the TVs were bad. And, and and he's come in and has just updated so many necessary things. And if you used to watch us on WLMB, WLMB told me this. They said, we rate you like a C um, uh, um, TV program. And like, I said, well, that's average. And they said, no, that's like bad. Um, uh, C is not good. Um, B is average. A would be great. So um, he's, we've updated those. And now um, uh, WLMB told me this the last time I was there, about 40,000 people watch our program on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock. That's a lot of people. And the quality is, is excellent. And um, so just so, many, just so many wonderful things he's done. And the third thing that um, uh, we talked about, and this was I knew was going to be the last thing because we had so much work to do and the other things, was a discipleship ministry. Um, going through in helping our church, developing our church to be disciple makers, to go through um, systematically through the Word of God, through a, a, a great program, to know how to be able to learn to disciple someone else. It's, and I'm going to show you this evening, it's what Christ commanded us to do, to make disciples, to be a disciple and then make disciples, a disciple-making disciple. Um, and, and so through that process, and, 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 and we talked through that, we did a lot of work behind the scenes. And then uh, when was that, Lori, when was that that uh, that class began? Two months before March, so January-ish in that area at some point, right, January, February, March. Um, we took about 20 people, and uh, how many in, in here went through that discipleship course? A couple over here, a couple over here. About 20 people went through that course um, and learned what we, our curriculum called Life Coach, and then we began to pair them up with other people that wanted to be discipled. My wife and I talked to a, a, a lady that is being discipled by one of those that went through that class and just, just praises God for that opportunity. And the two that connected together, just, just it's wonderful walking them through, systematically walking them through so they can have a relationship with God and so they can teach someone else to have a relationship with God. And the purpose of that discipleship program ministry is so that once you go through it, you can then take somebody through it. And once they get through it, they can take someone through it. And, and so 
um, we want people to be saved. But once they're saved, we want them to be discipled. So they have a strong foundation. You know, they say this, a lot of people that profess Christ, the FBI couldn't even find them now. They're lost, they're gone, you know, all through the years. And, and I want to rejoice whenever anyone ever gets saved. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. I think the Christians here on this earth ought to rejoice as well. It's a wonderful thing. When somebody goes through the waters of baptism, praise God for that. But we can't just leave them then to learn on their own. Because many people, do you know there are more Baptists in the Mormon religion than any other denomination? And they say this because the Baptists are really good at witnessing, but we're also really good at hands off once they get saved. And then a very aggressive um, cult knocks on the door and says, I want to show you more about the Bible. And they're like, yeah, I want this. I've been, I, I've been begging for this. And they get, they get discipled in false teaching. And they get grounded in false teaching instead of the word of God. And so I think that we ought to change that. I think that we ought to be aggressive in soul winning. You agree with that? Amen? I think we ought to share the gospel with every single person we know. We ought to see them baptized. And then we ought to not give up until they now are ready to disciple someone else, lead someone to Christ, see them baptized, and walk them through a systematic plan of understanding the Word of God, right? How many of you would say this? There's things that you've learned in your Christian walk from the Word of God that has helped you stay grounded and stay, stay level during crisis or problems or turmoil in your, Christian, in your life, right? And aren't you glad that somebody taught you that? And so that's what we are wanting to do. And, and, and so I'm going to take um, five or six weeks or so, um, starting this evening, just kind of lay out um, something this evening. And then I want to spend five or six weeks on, on just Christian discipleship, why we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, and just go to the Word of God and show you that it's not something that we're going to make up. It's something the Bible tells us to do. How many of you would agree, church, if the Bible says to do it, we should probably do it. Do you agree with that? Good. I'm glad you agree. All right. Are you with me? Are you tired tonight? How many of you are hot? How many of you are cold? You're cold? How many of you are just right? All right. So you're, you're cold? Kevin, would you, could you, a little bit closer? Okay, well, put her, put her feet up in your lap so you can rub her feet and warm them up. Would you do that? All right. Here we go. Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 16. This is after the resurrection of Christ. He has a meeting and he calls the 11 disciples. And the reason why there's only 11 is why? Judas. Judas has already um, denied Christ or, or, or betrayed Christ, and he bought a field uh, with his money, and he believed that he hung himself there in that field. And um, the, psalmist, the psalmist testified of Judas, the one that would purchase that field, and that field would be desolate. We find that in the book of Acts. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. 
Isn't that a wonderful word there? They worshiped him. But some doubted. This was interesting. He, they worshiped him, but still some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This is a, this is a, a, a very powerful statement. Because what Jesus is going to say, before he says, this is what I want you to do, he assures them of this. What I'm going to ask you to do, I have the power to accomplish. Because what he's getting ready to ask them to do is impossible in their own strength. To reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's too big of a task. But Jesus said this, all power is given to me. So what I'm about ready to ask you to do, you can accomplish, not in your strength, not in your power, but in me. Aren't you glad that Christ is never going to ask you to do something that he himself isn't going to give you the power to do? Wonderful. So he says this. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, has the world ended? Ask the person next to you, has the world ended? What'd they tell you? No? Then guess what? This is still true. I am with you always. David Blair. How many of you ever heard of the name David Blair? Do you know David Blair? Did you go to high school with him? This is a different David Blair. David Blair was the second officer assigned to the Titanic. How many of you ever heard of the Titanic? Last minute, the second officer was assigned to another ship. He's probably happy about that. But David Blair had the key to the crow's nest locker in his pocket. Have you ever heard the story? When he was assigned to the other ship, he kept the key to the crow's nest locker in his pocket. He forgot to give it back to the Titanic. In the locker was the binoculars that would be used by the person in the crow's nest to see ahead of the ship. David Blair had the key so that the man that was supposed to be in the crow's nest with the binoculars, the binoculars were inaccessible. So the man stood in the crow's nest of the Titanic without the binoculars. He was trying to navigate and look with his own vision but obviously his vision wasn't strong enough. If the man would have had the binoculars, it says it may have been a good chance that he would have seen the tip of that iceberg warning then the captain way before they hit that iceberg and it ripped a hole in the side of the Titanic. The man never saw the iceberg. And the missing key opened the door for a great disaster to take place. And because of that great disaster, people were killed. People went out, to, in, out into eternity, a horrific death. Many people that didn't drown, they froze to death in the water before they were rescued. Thought of that story, and I believe this. There's something, there's a missing key 
in our church, in society and culture today, and I believe that that missing key is this, the making of Christian disciples. And because we're not making disciples, many people are walking out into eternity, never hearing of a Christ and entering into a devastating eternity. Many are living life here upon this earth without understanding who Jesus Christ is. Now, I hope that this statistic isn't so big. Sometimes we hear statistics and they're so big that it, we can't comprehend them. They say this, there's over 7 billion people in the world. Now, I, I can't even comprehend 7 billion people. I've been in a Michigan game and in that Michigan um, uh, football stadium, they said there was 111 or 112,000 people. That's probably the most of a crowd I've ever been in. It's a lot of people. And that is just like a drop in over 7 billion people. 100 and whatever thousand. 7 billion people. If half of 7 billion is 3.5 billion people, what they say is 3.5 billion people alive today have never even heard about Jesus Christ. Now, does that do anything to us? If that doesn't do anything to us, then we're probably not going to care about discipling. Because unless those 3.5 billion people are reached with the gospel, 3.5 billion people, half of the world's population alive today is going to die and spend eternity in hell. If that doesn't do anything to us, there's something wrong with our heart. Would you agree with that? Three and a half billion people dying without Jesus Christ. The others maybe have heard about Jesus Christ, but they need, they need a Christian that will live, model, and tell what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Some of your neighbors... Some of your coworkers, it may be true that they have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. People close to you. I touched the bottom of it. Unless you've personally told them the gospel, you can't guarantee they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, it should be our responsibility, and not just the responsibility, but a command Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so over the next five weeks or so, I want to talk to you about discipleship, Christian discipleship, not just discipleship because we're teaching them how to be a Christian. In, in, in a believer in Christ who takes part in the spiritual development process of, of progressively learning how to live all of their life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Someone that wants to, someone that isn't just, all right, I'm saved, I've got fire insurance, I'm, I'm, I'm born again, and now I'm going to go and live however I want to live. No, we're talking about Christian discipleship, that somebody, they say, now that I'm saved, now I want to grow, I want to be spiritually developed to understand God's word so that I can live under the lordship of Jesus Christ and teach someone else to do the same. Understands that, Jesus Christ is king, someone that understands that. And, and when we say he's king, that means this, he rules our life. He's in charge. Many Christians who will claim that they're saved 
will not allow Jesus Christ to rule their life. They're going to decide what they're going to do. Hey, I'm saved, but I'm going to decide what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, how I'm going to live, you know, what, 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 what I'm going to look like in, in, in light of the Word of God. They, they, they're saved, but they, they've not given their, their life. They're, they're, they're not yielded their life to allow Jesus Christ to be king. They, they place themselves under his authority. Every single person here in this room, every single member of our church or one that attends our church, I would challenge us and I would hope that you are willing to place yourself under the authority of the Lord. How do you do that? Under his word. The word of God is the authority in our life. Do you agree with that? The word of God is our final authority. If the word of God says it, then we're to do it. And so Jesus here, he, he, brings, he brings these people together. In verse number 16, he brings 11 people to, uh, together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 6, the Bible says this, that some, uh, some, some 500 people uh, uh, saw Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension. So there was a time where he appeared to some 500 people. And then in Matthew um, uh, 28, Verse number 20, uh, 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, means this. This is something that's going to take place until Jesus comes back or until the world ends. So this is not something that was just given to the disciples in this generation. There was every intent for, for, for every generation of believers to follow this command. Some have said this. No, Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples. No, Jesus gave his dis the Great Commission to his disciples to give to disciples, to give to disciples, and you're part of that because the gospel has been handed down to you. And we're to do this until the world ends. And so we find that part of their experiences, as he brings them together, they're worshiping him. All right, you see that in verse number 17. When they saw him, they what? They worshiped him. Worshiping God is the, the recognition of who he is, what he has done, and what you are trusting him to do. Did you get that? Worshiping is this. It's, 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 it's worshiping God is the recognition of who he is, what he has done, and what you are trusting him to do. That's worship. Worship is not about us making ourselves feel good or us getting uh, emotionally pepped up for something. No, worship is all about God and who he is and what he's going to do and what we're going to trust him to do. They worshiped him. Some doubted him and some had questions, but they still worshiped him. And so Jesus was, um, his opening line to them was this. Look with, again in verse number 18. And Jesus came. So they're worshiping him. Some doubt it, but they're worshiping. They're there. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying this, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. If you take notes, if you write in your Bible, if you take notes, would you write this down? If you write in your Bible, put this in parentheses. You know what Jesus said? I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You see, what every Christian first must do, if you're going to be a discipler, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ and disciple others, you must recognize, first of all, Christ is in charge. You're not. How many of you like that? 
I mean, yeah, we like Christ being in charge, but how many of us like to be in charge? Like, I'm good with Christ being in charge unless he, as long as he sees everything my way. Right? How many of you agree with that? Yeah. Christ said this, all power is given to me. I am in charge. Authority there, it means this, power in legitimate hands. Power in legitimate hands. He has all authority. Now, listen, if we had somebody came up, if we had a police officer here, and he had a badge, and he had a gun, and, and, and he was called, and he had a, a gun, and, and how many of you would say he's in charge? Power's in his hands. Well, what if we had a bad guy, and he was here trying to rob somebody, and he had a gun? Power's in his hands. This means this, this authority here that Christ is speaking of, it literally means this, power in legitimate hands. This is where a power ought to lie in the hands of Christ. It's legitimate there. Jesus says, I am the designated authority from heaven. That's the foundation that he is laying here as he's speaking to his disciples. All power lies with me. I'm the designated authority from heaven. I am the legit designated authority. This power that he has received came from who? Came from God, came from the Father. So all authority is handed to Christ. We find that, look, look with me in Ephesians real quick. I, I wanna lay this foundation. And this is gonna go on for five or six weeks. And so wherever we stop, we'll, we'll pick it up. Are we okay with that? Great, I'm glad three of you are with me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one. In verse number 10, the Bible says this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Look with me in the same chapter in verse number 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth in all things. All authority is handed to Christ. Christ is in charge of this church. They're, they're, the, 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 the pastor's not in charge. The staff's not in charge. The board's not in charge. Individuals aren't in charge. Christ is in charge of this church, and we're to obey him. How do we know what we're supposed to do? The Bible says it. You know, it's interesting, so many people want the church to look a certain way or meet a certain need, uh, a social need or, or, or some other need in their church. But the reality is this, the, the authority lies in Christ. Christ is the, the authority of the church. Christ said to the church, to his disciples, what I want you to do is I want you to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know what he said? This is what I want you to do. This is what the church is about. If the church is not about going, baptizing, and teaching, then the church is not obedient to the one that holds the authority. Do you agree with that? If we ever cease to be a soul winning church, we cease, we cease to be obedient to our authority. If we cease to be a baptizing church, we cease to be obedient to our authority. If we cease to be a discipling church, then we cease to be obedient to our authority. And if we as a church are now disobedient to our authority, what purpose do we have? 
And that's when churches then become all kinds of other things outside of what we're intended to do. And church, I believe this. It's a very, very important for us to... to um, are, you, are you with me? Am I, am I yelling? I'm not meaning to yell. It's very important for us as a church often to evaluate where we're at and get back to the basics. Because we can get so busy. We can get so much bogged down in stuff that we can do all kinds of things. We're not supposed to keep up with the local YMCA for activities. We're not supposed to make sure that we have more activities than, than the... Matter of fact, what I think we've done, if we're not careful, we've got so much going on that all we do is deal with ourselves and, 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 and churches, and again, if, if somebody does this, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying we're constantly evaluating our church. So many churches, if they're not careful, they, they're so inclusive. We have little league softball teams, and we have things going on, and, and all of these things going on. And you know what? We're so busy with all the things that are on our church calendar that we don't even know lost people anymore. In the world sits in darkness, and we've pulled everything out that would give us an opportunity to be light to them. And we don't even know lost people enough to witness to them because we're so busy. When Christ never said, get so busy that you don't reach lost people, what he said was go, baptize, and teach. If he said this, and he is our authority, if I were to go home and I would say to my children, listen to me, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do this, do this, and do this. I have the authority as a parent to do that. Would you agree with that? If they don't do what I've asked them to do, they disobey. Our kids have chores. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, what they're told to do by their authority, their father or their mother, they get into trouble. You know what happens? We normally take something away from them. We would not let our children continue to live disobedient in our home without correcting them. Would you agree with that? All right, you don't want to wash the dishes. You don't want to take the trash out. You don't want to clean your room. Okay, you don't have to. You know what? I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the dishes. I'll, I'll, I'll clean your room. How many of you parents ever said that? I'll take care of all your chores. Uh-oh, she raised her hand. You're not supposed to. You don't have to be honest right now. <laughs> no, what we say is this. You have to do these things, and I'm your parent. What authority do you have to tell some child to wash dishes? Guess what? You're their parent. You can tell them. What authority do I have to tell my kid they have to make? Who are you to tell your kid they have to make their bed? I'm dad. I have authority. Jesus said to us, you are to go. You are to baptize. You are disciple. What authority does he have to say that? His authority comes from the Heavenly Father. His authority was given to the Father, we find in Ephesians, to be the head of the church. He has every right to tell us what we're supposed to be like. We don't have the right church to tell God what we want our church to be. We are supposed to follow the Lord 
and be what the Christ said the church is to be. Are you with me? That's better. You're getting with it. I'm exciting you tonight, huh? So we established the fact that Jesus is in charge. Have we established that fact? Jesus is in charge then. You know what he says I want you to do? Make disciples. My question to us is this. How are we doing at making disciples? How many people have we discipled that now is discipling? Someone said to me this one time, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. There are some people that are better at evangelism than other people. But every Christian was given the command to go. That's not given to a select few. Soul winning or telling others about Jesus Christ, we call it soul winning, and for some they might be, you want what? But, um, but, but sharing the gospel, telling other people about Christ, helping other, others to hear the gospel, good news, is the responsibility of every single Christian. Now, if you've ever spent time with Dick Dissop, Dick Dissop, he, he's a soul winner. They went away to, to Philadelphia. He spoke at a Gideon's conference, and, and he texted me and said, I think seven or eight people. During that couple-day trip, he was able to lead the Lord. I've been with him. I've seen him do it. I can't say, well, praise God, there's a Dick Dissop in our church. People are being saved. I don't need to because he is. There is a personal accountability to every single Christian to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Matthew uses that word making disciples or teaching them to observe all things. He uses this. The purpose of the book of Matthew is to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is king. That's what Matthew does. He tells us all through the entire book of Matthew what Matthew is trying to get us to understand is Jesus Christ is king. He's king. From, from his genealogy, from the beginning, you know what he shows? That Jesus is related to David. He's king. To the ascension, Jesus is saying here, I'm, I'm king. All power is given to me. And, and um, you, um, uh, I, I want to make this statement, and I'm almost done here. My time is almost through. You can be a Christian but not be a disciple. You see, you become a Christian by accepting Jesus Christ into your heart. By recognizing you're a sinner, by understanding you can't save yourself, by, by the Bible says, by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's the requirement. That's the biblical requirement. Jesus died for my sin. He paid a debt I, I couldn't pay. He went to the cross. He rose again from the dead. He, he conquered hell. He conquered death. By putting my faith in Jesus Christ, what he did upon the cross and the resurrection, I'm saved. But just because I'm saved doesn't make me a disciple. Just because I've accepted Christ as my Savior, that word, uh, that word make disciples is imperative, which means this. It's a command. It's not a request. When Jesus said here to go, you know what that word go means in every language? Go. Go. 
It, like there's nowhere where that word means anything other than go. It's imperative. And this is what I want us to understand as a church. It's not a request. Have you ever said this to your kids? I wasn't, a- I wasn't asking you if you wanted to take the trash out. I was telling you to do it. Oh, Dad, I, I didn't know you meant... When you said you wanted me to take the trash out tonight, I didn't know you meant you wanted me to take the trash out tonight. What did you think I meant? Well, I thought you were asking me if, you wanted, if I wanted to, and I didn't want to. Well, Jesus isn't asking us if you want to go if you want to baptize, if you want to teach, he's saying, this is what I'm requiring of you, Christian. This is your responsibility. It's imperative. It's a command. God is commanding us to be be a, a disciple and turn others into a disciple. Listen, the greatest joy for a Christian is to live a, a, a life of a disciple helping someone else to be a disciple of Christ. You see, hear, hear me on this. I believe this. So many of us get, get, get sidetracked, get, get distracted. Friction comes and problems come. And, 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 and if all Satan could do is get us as individuals and us as a church off the things that we're supposed to get, where our power comes from, and gets us sidetracked on, on, on non-important things, We'll get so mixed up and so uh, upset about things that don't really matter, they'll sidetrack us. It splinters the church. It splinters families. It, it hurts the cause of Christ. And if we would concentrate on getting into the Word of God, understanding what the God, Word of God says, so that I can then give it and teach someone else, look how much better we would be to tell somebody else about Christ, to show somebody else how to to live a victorious Christian life. And disciples are transformed people who transfer the values of the kingdom of God. Get this, please. Disciples are transformed people who transfer the values of the kingdom of God. You and I are to learn the values of the kingdom of God. It transforms us. And you know what we're to do with that? Give it to somebody else. So it transforms them. What our purpose is to be ambassadors for Christ. We should be making representatives of heaven. We should be making representatives of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? I was at the Capitol yesterday. And in the Capitol, and they, give it, they, they can give you tours, and you get a book. And in the book, there's representatives, and there's senators. There's, there's a governor. You know what all of those men and women that have been elected, the representatives, you know what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to represent us. That's why they are elected and this is pretty neat. Every, every um, senator has about 350,000 people that they're supposed to represent. Did you know that in the state of Ohio? Every, there's no senator. Like, like in the Senate, in the, in the government, the federal government, some are, there's two for every state. Well, the more powerful ones are the ones that, that have more people. 
right? So a small little state that has less amount of people, they're not normally a great senator because they're not representing a lot of people. In the state of Ohio, all the, all the senators all represent the same amount of people. It's based upon every 350,000 people get a senator. So it's not like one to every county or one to every three counties. Some senators have like four counties they have to cover because that's what it takes to make up 350,000 people. The, the city of Columbus in proper has three senators just for themselves because of the amount of people that are there. I'm, I'm teaching you something. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad you came to church? And why I just taught you that, I have no idea. Oh, oh, because they're representatives of people. Yeah. I was waxing so eloquently of what I've learned that I uh, forgot what I was teaching you. What I, why I mention that is this. They all are representing the people. In you and I, we are representatives of heaven. And people ought to know about heaven based upon how the representatives... Is that rain? I've never heard that before. Or is that the alarm clock? I'm supposed to be done? Uh, it is. But, but we are supposed to be representatives of heaven. The world is supposed to know what heaven is like based upon you and me. Now, I want you to think about that. You say, how do I know this book? Christian, in order for us to be able to teach, we've got to know what we're teaching. We've got to know the book. It's got to be a priority. It's got to be something that we study. It's got to be something that we know enough that we're able to teach it to somebody else. But if we're not careful, we can be so anemic. We can be so ignorant to the word of God because we're saved. We got that part. We know that part. But that's the extent of our representation of heaven. I know how to be saved. And so Jesus gave three things. And, and, and I'm going to leave off there and, and go back next week because we're out of time. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and for this